Welcome into Miss Child School Podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Eli. Thank you so much for joining me today. For those of you who are coming back, come on, welcome in, welcome in, welcome in. I am totally sitting in my sacred space today. I guess that's why we decided to key go, okay, and breathe because this is what I do when I'm in my sacred space. I'm traveling right now, and so I have a makeshift sacred space that I created. I sit on a mat, so I'm sitting on a deep, dark comforter, which is visually um, reminding me of my at-home sacred mat that I sit on when I do my prayers and meditations. I don't have infused water. Well, kind of. I have infused water today in the version of tea, so I have some beautiful orange spice tea that I'm sipping on and that feels amazing. And I have some flowers here in this sacred space with me, some lilies that are beautifully fragrant. Fragrant. They smell very strong and um, are absolutely beautiful. I wish I could describe them to you, but they just look like passion and they smell like passion and I just love that. And then I'm sitting also in front of a mirror, which is dope. Um, because I usually do my affirmations in front of a mirror and my declarations over myself. So I'm in my sacred space. Girl, where are you? Guy, where are you? Hopefully you are deciding to take a walk in nature, breathe, slow it down. Um, You know, sometimes in life, life calls us to multitask. And maybe you're turning this podcast on so that you can have some mental peace of mind space, you know? I welcome that. I'm down with that. Sometimes duty calls, life calls, but I definitely want to encourage you to take time for you today. Sit somewhere on the floor, ground yourself, take a walk in nature, go walk on the treadmill, take a nap. (laughs) Some of you need to take a nap, but welcome in for those of you who are coming back. Get you something sexy to drink. Kick off your shoes and relax your feet. Come on in, come on in, come on in. And for those of you who are new here, Miss Charter School Podcast is a podcast for women in transition from their womanhood into their queendom. What does that mean? Your womanhood is in a space really of your single season where your decisions really only affect yourself. And uh, you can eat and break the plate, as my mother would say, right? You move for for one, make decisions for one. And that's the space of life that you're in. When you're in your queendom, you are in elevated positions of leadership. So you are either a leader on your job in terms of some form of management where there are people that have to report to you or that you have to help organize or um, whatever those tasks may be, or you are in entrepreneurship. You are in business and working for yourself and learning how to grow your business any stage. But if you have any type of entrepreneurial spirit or creative outlet where you are producing content um, or trying to help other people grow their businesses or serve people um, in any capacity of business, okay, even if it's food or uh, beauty, right? That's another form of uh, queendom because your decisions no longer only affect yourself. Or it can be in relationships, in the relationship space. You could be married or you could um, have a child. And so you have been elevated to a position of leadership where you care for someone else and your decisions no longer only affect yourself, but they affect another person or a caretaker for a family member as well. That's a relationship elevation as well. So any of those different areas would put you in your queendom. 
in that space in your life. And queendom just simply just means that your decisions no longer only affect yourself, but they affect nations, which means people. And this is a podcast where we practice being in our queendom. This is a podcast where we have conversations and dialogue, and um, I'm looking forward to having interviews as well to get into some like probably super girly stuff. <laughs> because uh, that's who I am, like literally how to set a table and um, all that kind of stuff. I think some of the traditional ways of being in our womanhood just simply are lost with the times and with the seasons. But I think that, that those nurturing characteristics of a woman, I think, are still highly desirable by our work environments and highly desirable in our love relationships and in our families. And so those are things that I really want to get into in this podcast. But that was a breakdown explanation for those of you who are new to this space. It's for women in transition. When you are in elevated positions in any one of those areas, you're in your queendom. Or for those of you who are aspiring to be in your queendom, these are episodes that will help you practice the habits to be in that position of leadership in any one of those areas of your life. And this podcast is so important to me and I'm so passionate about it. Can I be real with y'all? Because I'm very passionate about women and I'm passionate about families. A little bit of my history, my background, my legacy. My parents um, started working for Institute for Responsible Fatherhood and Family Revitalization, long title. So you can see I came out the gate long-winded. Hello. But my parents used to work for a nonprofit called Institute for Responsible Fatherhood and Family Revitalization. And they started in Cleveland, Ohio, where I was born. And they were charged with um, the founder of the company actually was very passionate about fatherhood. And he had a son before his uh, marriage. He since has passed. But he had a son before his um wife that he was married to where he built the business and expanded the business all over the United States and he you know had problems with the child's mother and you know visitations weren't going well and he kind of felt that he failed at fatherhood if you will and so when he got remarried and became a father again he was very determined to get fatherhood right and he really started a business on the premise that you know, a lot of men don't really know how to be fathers in the black community because they never saw how to be fathers in the black community. And um, he wanted a place where fathers who maybe had court visitation rights, court appointed visitation with their kids. He wanted a safe space for men to learn how to be fathers and to maybe even have a destination point to pick up their kids. You know, that kind of um energy and vibe, if you will, to use modern terms. So my parents got involved and were a part of the Cleveland office, helping fathers um, have better relationships with their children and better relationships with their children's mother as well. And so they led workshops and went knocking door to door, signing up families and working with the courts to help fathers get the credits that they needed, or if they had like, you know, whatever court appointed whatever that they had to complete you know they could get completed you know certain certificates and stuff through the institute that would help them gain visitation rights with their kids or help them gain custody with their kids and all this really cool stuff right obviously I didn't understand any of that as a child but as I've gotten older my parents were charged with <clears throat> opening the San Diego office Senegal, California 
which is how my family ended up moving in San Diego, California. My parents worked together in the same business. And so I really had a unique childhood where my parents both serve the community, they're leaders in the community, helping black and brown families have better families by pouring into their fathers. And they had classes for women as well. My mother led a lot of the classes for women, um, mothers that were struggling with their kids and had different problems and stuff like that. So that's the environment that I grew up in. And my legacy contribution that I feel like my parents gave me that I'm also passionate about is I'm passionate about women and wives. And this is a perfect segue into what I want to talk about today, because um, I can only really share with you my experience of who I am. And my parents' legacy put a deposit in me to make me passionate about families and passionate about families being successful. And they really focused on fatherhood and they focused on creating they focused on the father being in the child's life because scientific studies back in the day, fatherhood was a hot topic. It's still a hot topic, but back in the day, there were a lot of academic studies around how important it is to have a father involved in the child's life. Even better, if the father is in the household, the child goes on to have a more successful future simply by the father being involved. So because they had all of this academic research, they were able to get a lot of fu uh, federal funding and um, start this institute that had offices all over the United States. Well, I'm a product <laughs> of a stable father being around, but also I'm a product of the quote unquote strong black woman complex. I went and got a bachelor's and a master's and um, I put no body and no thing in front of my career. My career at a time for a long time was the most important thing to me. And I always had love and relationships and, um, you know, men around, if you will, and friendships and family. And I knew people cared about me and all of that, but nothing was more important in my career and getting this money, big Capricorn energy. <laughs> so, um, I learned very early on in 2020 when the world shut down that, it was too much of a, a high cost because at the time <clears throat> when this podcast was born, I lost everything. I had a man in my life who actually is back in my life, but I had a man in my life at the time who we were very much in love and passionate about one another and planning for marriage and all of those things. And I put my career in front of him and it ended up, it was one of the reasons that we broke up. Um, I lost one of my best, well, one of my best friends and I fell out. Just so many different things happened. And I learned quickly, work does not comfort you. <laughs> the paycheck doesn't comfort you or satisfy you. It may be a necessity and it is a necessity. Money is a necessity in today's world. But the work, the career, the quote unquote accomplishing of your goals, whatever those things are, they aren't more important than having the people around you. They aren't more important than having the support in the community and the people around you. So um, that was something that was a very big lesson for me because I had left home at 17 
and um, stayed gone <laughs> for the most part since 17 and you know visited often but just was living my life and when the world shut down I realized how lonely that is and how lonely that was and how I didn't have the support system and I also think I was getting close to the age of 30 at the time not quite there but getting closer and I just started getting a strong urge to nurture and to care for others outside of myself and so that's really what I wanted to share with you guys today um yeah that's really what I wanted to share with you guys today that it's not worth it <laughs> and I'm being reminded of that um, this week in work it's been super busy and there's a team member of mine who I know for a fact as black women we don't want to specifically we don't want to do it all my Latina women as well we don't want to do it all as brown women of the world we don't this this whole like gotta do it for everybody on our job because we're the only critical thinker at work or having to just let me just go on and do it you know no and the example that comes to mind right now is i recently read a book about marriage relationships and the woman in the book had shared that you know when you ask somebody to do something specifically your husband in this example she was saying, you know, I mentioned before to the, in the past, you guys would and will statements. So like, honey, would you take out the trash before dinner? Something that's action oriented and specific. Okay. With a question mark at the end, you know, or honey, would you pick up your clothes tonight off the floor? <laughs> right. Would and will statements. Honey, will you pick up the kids by 4 p.m. today? Would and will statements, right? And then she said, wait for their response. And because they typically want to make you happy, the response is going to be yes, <laughs> unless they physically cannot for some reason. And then they'll tell you no, and they will tell you why not, right? Or you can ask, well, why not? And they'll tell you, okay? So specific questions like that, action-oriented questions with a question mark at the end. But she said, wait for them to do it. To put yourself in a position of being a receiver means waiting to receive she was like there are so many women who will ask can you take out the trash sure he can physically take out the trash but it's not specific it's not when it's not how it's not how you want it done when you want it done right so would and will statements help you she says speak manese which is a man's language right okay we got it <laughs> and so um that's the same at your job. You can use those same skills at your job. And I do because I work with two women and the rest of my team are men. And so I use would and will statements with my coworkers and it's wonderful, okay? And then when they tell me they're gonna do something, guess what? I wait to receive. One of my team members hasn't yet learned this. She's older than myself. Single mother has a child and if you wait long enough to without the response that she's looking for she will just do it herself and that puts us in the <clears throat> strong black woman category when so many of us are often tired and quite frankly bitchy about 
feeling forced to do everything. But the truth is we don't have to do everything. I want to scream this to her <laughs> in a loving voice. I just want to take her and shake her and say, stop doing everything, you know? And I used to be like her not that long ago, especially in the workspace. In the relationship space, I think I was a little bit better. But in workspace, I would just do everything. And, you know, I typically have been called at work like a workhorse or a worker bee. That's what I've heard. Oh, my God. So many of my jobs. Oh, Sunday is a worker bee. And I do get very passionate about my work. You know, I like things to be complete and things to be done. Big cap energy again. But I'm also, it used to bother me to hear like a worker bee. I don't want to be a worker bee. I want to be a queen bee. Hello. If I'm honest. Can y'all work for me? Hello. Yes. <laughs> and so I just decided to switch the energy. And now I relax. Now that I'm in a management position where I work with team members and team members look to me for different aspects of leadership. I have decided to relax. I don't work as hard as I used to. Mm -mm. No. There's times where I literally deplug. I, I put literally our text thread on silent because it's after hours and I'm not responding. I'm strengthening my boundaries in this space. I'm strengthening my asking muscles of my would and will statements. And then I wait. I put myself in a position of a receiver to wait and receive. And I think that that's something critically important that a lot of brown women have forgotten the art of and, that, and then we get frustrated. We're not comfortable waiting to receive or we just are unseasoned in the skill of waiting to receive. And so that's something that I really want to encourage you with today is to allow yourself to receive. Allow yourself the space to wait to receive. The same way you don't want to be told what to do, men in your job or in your romantic life don't want to be told what to do. Nobody wants to feel like they're someone else's child. You don't want to be told what to do like a child, and the other adult male in your life does not want to be told what to do like a child. You can ask a statement with a question that's very specific. If you want a particular time, ask for it. Be, you know, do it with a smile, but be direct. And he will tell you yes or no. And then wait to receive. I'm being silent on purpose. <laughs> because it'll, it means that we have to be comfortable with the silence comfortable with the waiting, comfortable with relaxing in the knowingness that it's going to be done. And then the other piece of that that I've noticed this week is sometimes the task gets done, but for a woman that is, her muscles are weak at receiving, it may not be done the way that she specifically wants it done. So again, it could be asking better would, better would and will question mark statements. It could be refining your statements if you're not getting the results specifically that you want. But the other part of that is releasing control. And I think this is why sometimes um, 
in work and in love relationships, people get the feedback that you're just controlling. You just want it your way. The truth is, as a woman, you just want happiness. Like, if you do it this way, this way makes me happy, right? So it could just be asking better would and will statements with a question mark on the end. Or it could be, yeah, relaxing, exhaling, breathing like an air balloon from the belly space, okay? And knowing that, all right, I asked him, honey, would you wash the clothes by Friday? And he washed them. But maybe he didn't separate the colors and the darks and all, you know, he just washed them. <laughs> now, if you're like me, I'm just using this as an example. If you're like me, I separate everything. Okay, whites are here, bright colors are here, dark colors are here, and then blacks are washed with blacks. Some of you don't care. Okay, colors are one, whites are of the other. That's it, right? So sometimes it means relaxing and appreciating. Mm, that's a third thing. Okay, so three things. One, asking better questions. Two, relaxing when the task is complete, that it's sufficient. Even if it's not exactly how you would have wanted it done, did it get done? If you say, honey, would you wash the dishes after dinner? And he says, sure, baby. And he washes them. Maybe he didn't do it exactly the way you wanted him to do it, but they got done, right? And so it means relaxing and allowing yourself to receive. Oh, wait, there's four things because I told you. One, you need to pause to receive. Let me start over again. Let me get my list together, okay? A, <laughs> ask better questions. Would and will statements with a question mark on the end that's action-oriented. B, Put yourself in a place to receive. Wait. After you ask, wait. This is also really good for your prayer life with God. And that's honestly where it starts. That's how I learned, okay? But I'll talk about that after I give you the list. So A, ask better questions. B, wait. Breathe, relax, put your mind on something else, go dance. It's already done, it's complete, it's getting done. It's in the process, it's in progress. So just be at peace that it's getting done. C, relax. When it gets done, it may show up differently than what you had in mind. But the goal is, was it completed? Was it completed? Is it satisfactory? Okay, if it's not satisfactory, then go back to A ask better questions. If it is satisfactory, then relax. Relax. Someone I work with, they're not relaxed. They want things done specifically the way they want them done. And it's coming across very much like mom energy of I said what I said and do what I said. <laughs> Woo! And it feels like a lot of frustration because it's not done the way that this person requested it to be done, or so they thought they requested it, okay? So relax. The next thing is, when it's done, even if it's not 100% the way you would have done it, but it's complete, appreciate, gratitude, smile, all right? Appreciate, gratitude, Thank you, smile, 
and receive. That's the last one, receive graciously, all right? This has been so important for me in my prayer life with God. And <clears throat> I do believe that God is all encompassing. I don't believe God is just male or just female. I believe that if God created male and female, then God obviously is greater than all encompassing of it and therefore greater than it as well. So I don't really know how to explain God. I know a lot in this podcast, I, I refer to God as he, sometimes I've said she, but I don't really want to get caught up in all of that because I really feel like God is greater than the human understanding of male or female. Like I don't want to dumb God down to our English language <laughs> that probably inaccurately describes the majesty and magnitude and grandness of God, right? The word God is probably not even big enough, right? But we use that because that's what we understand. So again, I always ask you to have grace with me if I, you know, use a term like if I say God and then I say he, right? I just always try to explain to you that I really do genuinely in my heart space believe God is so much grander than the human comprehension and understanding. But this has really helped me in my prayer practice with God because one, I have learned to ask God questions. Oftentimes when we're praying, we're just ranting to God. We're just talking to God and that's cool. God is a friend, okay? God is all encompassing, right? God is a friend, God is a lover, God is a father, God is a mother, um, God is a savior, God is all encompassing. So there are times where we do need to talk to God like a friend and just tell your friend what's going on with you. But so many of us, it's a one-way conversation. We just sit down and we just rant to God about all our problems, 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 and then we get up, we say amen, and get up and go on with our life. A lot of us haven't really developed a rich relationship with God. So this formula actually helped me grow as well in my relationship with God. One, asking better questions. Number one, asking God a question. God would and will. But you can also ask God more than that, right? God, how? God, what are the steps that I take to achieve this goal? God, what is aligned for me to do in my life right now? God, what am I supposed to be doing in my life right now? And one of my recently favorite questions to ask God is, God, what do you want me to do? That's such a powerful, 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 simple question. God, what do you want me to do in my finances? God, what do you want me to do in my life? God, what do you want me to do in my marriage? God, what do you want me to do with this damn job? <laughs> God, what do you want me to do with my coworkers? God, what do you want me to do with my mother? What do you want me to do with my father? What do you want me to do with my family? And then guess what? B is wait. Be comfortable in the silence. Wait for an answer. Don't just get up and then go about life and make your own answer. You're cutting God off. You can get up and move about your life. You don't have to sit in meditation until you get an answer, even though sometimes it does calls, it does call for sitting silently until you get an answer. But sometimes it means getting up, washing the dishes, washing the car, going to work, doing your thing. But when it comes to that question, 
you're still waiting. You're in a waiting space, which puts you in a receiver space. When you ask the question, God will give you an answer. There's so many times I've asked questions and God has told me it's complete. It's already done. You don't have to worry about it. Stop mentally stressing yourself that God will give me an answer right away in meditation and quiet time with him. Nope, you got it. It's good. Nope, it's on the way. Like simple stuff. <clears throat> and then my job is to continue to put myself in a place of receiving by waiting. And I'm not going to lie. Sometimes that's hard, especially when you're a boss babe like me or like the woman I was just describing. And you're so used to doing it yourself. Sometimes waiting is tough for women who are used to just doing it themselves. Right? But there are people who literally, in real life, who will be like, well, if I wait long enough, she'll do it. And so I'm not going to do it. <clears throat> and that, fr that may frustrate you, but you've taught them that you're going to handle it yourself. And I don't want God to feel that way about me. I want God to like, I'll just, okay, this is very transparent and not, and you didn't ask. Okay. But one time I was praying and I was saying something to God as, a, as I was getting ready to go to bed and God gave me the word, you're irresistible. And I like that <laughs> because, um, how do I explain this? It's in the language, like it's in a posture. That's it. So it's like, oh God, I can't believe I'm going to use this example, but it's like, um, fellatio. <laughs> oh my God. Help me guys. Help me ladies. It's like fellatio. I hope my parents aren't listening. Um, a lot of men enjoy fellatio because yes, it feels good, but also it's a posture that the woman is in. It's the posture. The stereotypical posture makes him feel mighty, makes him feel strong, makes him feel masculine, makes him feel manly, makes him feel kingly, makes him feel worshipped. Makes him feel worshipped the same way you get on your knees and pray. Or at least when you're with most people, when they're really in trouble, they get on their knees to pray because it's a posture of being humble. It's a posture of reverence. It's a posture of respect. It's a posture of understanding that you're coming before royalty, before someone who has the power to fix something and change something with just a word, with just a snap of a finger. And so when I put myself in a position of waiting, or sometimes when I pray to God, that time I was praying to God, God told me you're irresistible because it was a heart posture. My words were expressing a heart posture that moved God. That's the best way I know how to say that. And I can hear some people saying like, you can't move God. You know, stuff that you could do to move God. Well, you know, there's, I feel like there are examples in the Bible of people who were blessed out of routine. You know, there's a woman who came to Jesus and said, even the dogs eat the crumbs when she was asking for a blessing and a miracle from Jesus. And Jesus was like, I'm not here for you. You're not a Jew. You're not a child of God. And she was like, well, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And he was like, 
go your way. You I, look at you. Look at your heart posture. Look look at how you came to me. You're irresistible. Boop. Oh my God, I can't help it. I'm just going to bless you. Boop. It just happened. Oops. I just slipped up and fell on it. <laughs> Oops. I just slipped up and busted down. <laughs> Whoops. You know, that's what happened in that moment. She wasn't, God wasn't really, she wasn't quote unquote scheduled on the program, but her heart posture moved God to bless her. It's the same in our love relationships and it's the same with God. So when you ask better questions, wait, put yourself in a receiver position. Put yourself in that receiver position and then relax when the answer shows up. Relax. The example that's coming to me now is like, if you give, let's say you have a friend and you're constantly giving to that friend, that friend never gives back to you, right? But then you go on a trip or, you know, a friend that someone else that you uh, that you don't expect it to come from gives the very thing to you that you've been giving so much energy to someone else. Receive it. That's your blessing coming back to you a hundredfold. Even though it didn't come from the person or the angle that you thought it was going to come from, but it came to you. Receive it. Relax. Allow the answer to come to you the way that it comes. Allow the blessing and the miracle to come to you the way that it comes. God is always giving to us. Sometimes we're closed off to the different channels that it's trying to come through because we want to force it to come through one channel. It may not come through your husband. He may not be a gift giver. That may be something that he learns over time. But until then, if you're a giver in your relationship, you will always be given too. Give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. God will cause men, people, to give unto your bosom, to give to your chest for you to receive. So while your husband is working on learning your love language of gift giving, don't get frustrated with him. Just open your life up to receiving from other channels because God will never have you go without if you're a giver. That's just an example. And then appreciate it. Even if it didn't come from the channel that you wanted to or even if it showed up differently than you had in mind, receive, celebrate it, appreciate it, and be grateful. And that's even in your relationship with God. So that was a kind of a two-part right there, <laughs> talking about the strong woman complex. So many of us want to take off our capes, but our receiving muscles are just weak. We don't know how to ask better questions. We suck at asking better questions suck we're so used to asking people can you and could you that doesn't work for the male species there's some men that <laughs> there's some men that understand um what you mean by that because they may have sisters and stuff like that so they're used to being around women but there's a lot of men that yeah they can do it sure they could do it but that's not going to give you a specific time of when it gets done it doesn't give you any specific, you're not giving him any specifics of how you want it done. And you're just not asking a better question in his language. So would and will statements, action oriented with a question mark on the end. And even when you're praying to God, try it, just try it out. Try praying and talking to God with question marks on the end. 
And I think a lot of times women, even myself, I'm still working through that, like asking people things that have a question mark on the end. Because sometimes we think we're asking a question, but we're making a statement. So we have to slow it up a little bit and really ask ourselves, did I ask a question? Was I direct? You could be direct with a smile. Some of you need to learn how to be direct with a smile because it comes off as like stern and cold. <laughs> and every time, trust me, I'm as I'm sharing, I'm speaking to myself. The other day I cooked dinner for um, a friend and their friend and um, I was putting the food on a plate and serving and being in a role of service and being in a nurturing role. I have to start changing the language because service can feel like servant and it can feel like, mm, I don't wanna do that. But if I think of it as nurturing, I can swallow that pill, okay? So I was in a nurturing role and or showcasing my nurturing side and the feedback one of the people gave me was like, why are you like not what oh don't act like you're not happy to see me <laughs> and i didn't realize that i wasn't smiling the male species in particular is very they're paying attention to you as a woman if you're a woman listening to this they're paying attention to your body language they're paying attention to your nonverbal communication they're they're highly the same way you're highly attuned to nonverbal communication they are highly attuned to when you're happy and when you're not happy. And so many of us show that we're not happy a lot of the time, even when we're not trying to. Like we could be totally fine, but it's just not coming across as happy and relaxed and excited. And sometimes that has to, most of the time that has direct effect. It's not about, oh, well, the person's not making me happy. Mm -mm 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 you make you happy and a lot of times that could be setting boundaries your sacred pampering time that i've talked about before bubble baths taking time for yourself doing stuff that makes you happy if you're constantly prioritizing yourself and making your sacred pampering a priority in your life and not compromising it or cutting it out or telling yourself that you don't have the money to do it then you're cutting off your joy and when you cut off your joy, it's easy to walk around with a solemn face, a stank face, a resting bee face. It's easy to walk around like that because your joy cup is on E. And you need to fill up your gas tank with joy. So all of these different things that we're talking about on this Charm School podcast and the different episodes, go back and listen to some old episodes because I've talked about all these different things, how to fill up your tank, how to have joy, um, all of it has a domino effect. It starts with you. It starts with you and God, but it has a domino effect on your other relationships. So once you can increase your God time, increase pouring into yourself time, when you increase time with God, God pours into you. Okay. Then you need to pour into you in the physical. So in the spiritual, God pours into you, answers questions for you, you know, all of that. Then you pour into you in your own personal time. I love bubble baths, so that's why I'm always mentioning that. It's easy, you know, you should hopefully should have a bathtub at your house. You know, you can sit in there with some bubbles. If you have to use, I don't recommend using dish soap, but if you have some dish soap, 
you know, get started with that <laughs> and get you a bubble bath going if you really feel like I don't have money to go buy a bubble bath, okay? But most of you can't afford to squeeze $6 out to get you a bath bomb and some bubble bath, okay? Make your own body scrub if you can't afford to buy one. If you have coffee grounds, coffee and olive oil, that's a body scrub, boom, right there. If you have salt in your house, pink Himalayan sea salt or... Um, I think it's Celtic salt. It's with a C, C-E-L-T-I-C, -I, I believe, Celtic salt. But salt can be drying to the skin. So sometimes I just put a little bit of pink Himalayan sea salt in my bath water, you know, but now we're stepping into the fancy area, okay? Because people may feel like, I don't have $7 to buy pink Himalayan sea salt. Okay, sis, try Marshalls. I don't know. <laughs> You know, I like to use sometimes cinnamon bark as well. But again, I've talked about this in other episodes. Or old school Sunday would literally boil like chamomile tea bags and rosemary or mint leaves, whatever I had in the fridge from just cooking. And I would boil a big pot, let it get hot, let it cool down till it was like lukewarm, pour it into the bathtub. Like that's old school Sunday. Okay, I used to even do that to create like a big tea bag, if you will, and sit your body in that tea bag and open up your pores and let the water do its thing for your skin. But the point is, take time for you. That's the point. Take time for you. Allow God to fill you up spiritually. Calm your worries. Your partner can't do that. God can only do that. God put a space in you that only he can fill. He, she can fill, okay? So sit with God. Allow yourself to be poured into and allow that space to be full and overflowing and then pour into yourself. You first, always. You first, always. And you independent of depending on another person to make you happy. Do things that make you happy by yourself. That will allow you to have more joy. It'll allow you to smile easier. It'll allow you to be caring with other people. And the other thing that's popped into my head is, this is something I'm currently practicing as well, is open your life up to touch. I think as women today, modern women, boss babes, we have gotten so focused on career and money and advancement and working and we put on a lot of masculine energy that we've forgotten how to be nurturing, how to hug people, how to put you know your hand on someone's shoulder and say, good job even if it's your male coworker, you know, or give someone a pat on the back with a smile. And especially in American culture, like, you know, think about Spanish cultures, Latin cultures, or even Caribbean cultures, people kiss on the cheek. People are more embracing. People are more loving, more expressive. In American culture, we can be kind of stank. Don't touch me. Don't talk to me. Don't look at me you know, and you're cutting off receiving channels. You're cutting off the woman's grace and magnetism of nurturing, of being a fragrant flower. I'm literally looking at these lilies in front of me, of being a fragrant flower. These lilies are so fragrant and so beautiful. They draw you in. You can't help but look at them. They're open and many of us are closed. So open up, open up and bloom, and be, and wait, and receive. 
but it takes by pouring into yourself first. There's you know, one step at a time, y'all. Don't get overwhelmed. One step at a time. And let's not run past the steps. Let's ask better questions. Let's wait. Let's wait. And then let's receive what shows up. And then let's be gracious and grateful for those things. That will allow you to open up. And then if I can add a fifth one, I would add, be nurturing. Smile at people. Give someone a pat on the back. Shake people's hands. Even try that. Some of us don't even want to touch people at all. But what I've started to do to do more than just shaking a hand, which can be very professional, is I just put my hand on someone's shoulder. And the last couple of times I did that to a man around and I said, oh my God, thank you. And I just put my hand on their shoulder. They like leaned in for a hug. People are thirsty for hugs. People are thirsty. <laughs> Somebody's laughing. People are thirsty for hugs. People are thirsty for female nurturing because they're not getting it. We're so hard all the time as women. Okay, sometimes the only time we allow ourselves to be soft is in sex. And even then, we may not be soft. So just allow yourself to open up and practice being nurturing again. And watch. People will just do things for you. It's a beautiful thing. Would and will statements, it's a beautiful thing. Being soft, you don't want to lift that box at work, sis. Ooh, I learned this in sports quickly. You don't want to lift that box it's all these men around here. Somebody will be happy to lift the box for you. You want to take a picture when you're out so you have something for social? Don't you see all those men walking around? Ask one of them to take a picture of you. They'll do it. They want to do it. They've been staring at you the whole night or the whole day anyways, you and your friends. They want to be in your energy because that's what the feminine energy does. It attracts. I love you, Charmers. I'll talk to you soon. Ciao.